1: people-centric leaders we're gonna have a very special episode today because normally we have like our whole team with us but today it's just gonna be the A-team it's Diana and Don today the
0: A-team oh no don't 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 tell anybody on our team that you called us the A-team
1: the A-team well you know what they could have been here that's what I'm gonna say (laughs) they should have just been here for this
0: I didn't no, invite anybody else.
1: That's true. We didn't No, because we've had it. This has been, we are super, super busy going across the country, doing all this work with clients, helping them to improve their culture. You know, we do this podcast and some of you would think maybe we just sit here and do the podcast, but we're like real life consultants. We're out working with organizations. <laughs> we
0: have jobs.
1: <laughs> we have real, we have real jobs. You podcast listeners don't pay us enough to just do this.
0: <laughs> that's so true. Have-
1: We have to go out and do other things, which is kind of cool though, because you get to participate though, like in kind of a ringside seat with us as we work with other companies. So we're always trying to bring you like fresh stories and they're, they're kind of real. A lot of things we talk about, mostly real, mostly real. Sometimes they're very coded. One thing that's kind of fun though, that we should talk about a little bit is just to say that a lot of times, how many times Diana, have we done an episode where a client was like, you were talking about us. That was many times. That they think that story. it's
0: them. And then are like, the oh no, it, most
1: of the time it's not. Yeah. Which is really kind of interesting, which shows kind of the universality of some of the topics and stuff that we have, right?
0: Yeah. Everyone says they're so different. Like everyone's like, oh, my company's different or my people are different or my industry's different. And we're always like, Yeah, but you're not. Like you just don't know it. You you just don't know that all of you have the same problems, and we just keep dealing with the same problems over and over again.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. And so we see those patterns. And so we try to bring those patterns here. And so today, people centric leaders, we want to bring you a topic of something that we see quite a bit. And it's going to be around the idea of executive leadership. Now, some of you are going to think, okay, I'm not an executive. Should I listen to this? You know, what does that look like? But we're going to talk about like, where executive leadership does a good job and where maybe it could do better. And then if you're an executive, you'll get some ideas on what traps you might fall into, what you can do better. But then if you're not an executive, we're going to talk a little bit about how do you lead your executive? What if your executive's not doing for you what you need them to do? Uh, so we're going to dive into that a little bit. But I wanted to open with a story, Diana. And we talked about this story you know, beforehand because we really, our team fell in love with this story. We got to see this. I was oh, at a... Good. It's it is good. And there's a there's actually a video of this story. There's a presentation. You can go onto YouTube and you can actually watch this presentation. This was at a Great Game of Business conference. As many of you know, we're affiliates with Great Game of Business and uh, proud to be. I'm a, super, I'm a certified coach for Great Game. It's one of the great tools that we offer. And give a shout out to our friends out at Great Game, and SRC company. They're fantastic partners with us. They do a lot for us and we appreciate them a lot. Uh, I was over at their conference and met a man, Michael Kilbasa, is his name. And at first I met Michael and they introduced me to him and I hadn't seen him speak yet or anything. And I said, oh, Kilbasa, like the meat. And I've like sausage. A, like the sausage, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody's heard of kielbasa. You have kielbasa sausage out west, right? I, I I assume
0: so. Yeah, I I haven't haven't bought a kielbasa in a long time, but I assume they're out here.
1: Working your way through all the seafood options that are out there.
0: That's true. So much seafood.
1: But sausage is awesome, and kielbasa sausage is fantastic too. And if you know kielbasa sausage, you I just, I never knew. I've always heard that name. I thought that was a type of sausage. I did too. I didn't know that was a family name. Like there's a, there's a, there's a Kilbasa family that has made the sausage for generations. And Michael Kilbasa is the current generation. He's the CEO of Kilbasa Meats. Blew and my mind. Blew my mind. And he's a super, super humble guy, like really, really nice guy. Super, super friendly. And he's a multi-generation business owner. And you think about this for a minute, like take a step back and think about Michael's life. And this is what he kind of portrayed in his talk is Michael is a third generation owner. So imagine that, you know, you grow up in a family that owns this large company, very successful, very profitable. So you're making good money, right? You have this great company. It's like all there in front of you. You're the top of it. Like he is, he has achieved what many of us in our careers would always want. He's a top executive of a successful company. And yet he describes in his keynote presentation sitting on the beach on a vacation. Again, should be really like thrilled. Like he gets to go out on the beach on vacation. And I think he said he took a couple of weeks off during this time, but he described how he was miserable. And he described why he was miserable. And he said, you know, he's sitting out on the beach and he's got his laptop open, he's got his phone, and he's just constantly still checking into the office, and he's thinking about all the things that aren't getting done back and back at the office. And he described this whole idea where he is constantly so involved in everything. How he said he's feels sur- he's surrounded by people, but he feels lonely like he's an executive of a business and he's always with people, but he feels lonely and he's like, and he starts so to get sad. mad at his people. It is sad, right?
0: Yeah, it's sad.
1: Like, I'm surrounded by people, but I feel lonely. And he starts to wonder, why don't other people care as much as I do about the business? And he's 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 sitting there and he's kind of feeling sorry for himself a little bit, and then he recognizes that, you know what, maybe the problem isn't all of the people around him, right? We talk about this a lot, that this is a mistake that sometimes managers make or leaders make in a business is they think, why are all of my people lazy? Why are all of my people disengaged? Why don't people work the way that they used to? And they don't think about the common denominator of that is going back to the leader. Uh, You know, is it, was it, is it more likely that we have all these really bad, lazy employees, or is it more likely that we have one leader who's not doing the right things?
0: It's hard to believe that a manager could hire like 30 lazy people. Like, what are you doing?
1: Even if you tried, like you'd probably, like a good person would slip in, right? one would slip through the,
0: (laughs) you know, like at least one.
1: You are working too hard. I am not going to allow you on my team anymore. Uh, (laughs) You look happy. You look too happy to be here. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Michael started realizing like, I need to, I need help. And so what he recognized as an executive was something that not a lot of executives do is he went back to his team and said, like, I am buried in stuff and I think it's my fault. I think it's because I take on too much. I think it's because I work too much. I think it's because I make, I have too many decisions that come back to me. So he went to his executive team and he said, would you help me? I need you to help me. I need you to call me out when I'm jumping into the middle of things that I shouldn't be jumping in the middle of. And they did. They did. They started taking over decisions. They started running things. At first, one of the things I think a lot of them said is what took you so long? Like we've been wanting to do this. We've been telling you this for a long time. You just haven't heard it from us from a long time. And the cool part about this story, and he tells it very emotionally. I mean, he gets, he gets choked up on stage when he tells us at the conference. And again, you can go watch that on YouTube. If you search Michael Kilbasa, great game of business. I think you'll find that presentation.
0: I'll link um, it in the show notes too.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's great. It is a really good presentation, um, you know. And he, but he talks about this transformation that he made. But then, what's really cool is he kind of talks a little bit about the profits of the company and how that made a transformation. It was a successful, profitable company before up till that day on the beach. But after he made that transition, the company was more successful. He was more happy. His executive team was more happy. And I know his executive team was more happy, Diana, because he brought them all to the conference. Not only did he bring his executive team, he brought like a good chunk of people from his from all levels of his company to the conference. I think he had 40 something people there. Um, yeah, that's they got awesome. an award. They received an award from Great Game for being an all-star at the award. Aww. And he, they filled the stage with Kilbasa employees. It was awesome. And they were awesome. cheering and they were, I mean, and so, I mean, it was legit. Like we're watching people, it was legit. That's the job that if you're an executive, that's what your job should look like but too many executives the happy part yeah yeah not the beach part not the i'm sitting out on the beach and i'm frustrated with my people it should be more of the like i'm celebrating on stage with my people and they're high-fiving each other and i'm watching them win that's what it should look like but we see so many times where executives don't look like that like what what would you describe like some of the things that we see in terms of executives what they would describe their lives at
0: Oh my gosh. I speak to so many executives that are burnt out and tired and constantly looking for new good people, constantly chasing the next profitable thing. I put profitable in quotes. You guys can't see that I did that profitable because they, they just, they just feel like they're, they need more. They're constantly needing more of something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or we see, I was talking to an executive recently who talked about like, okay, on my calendar, I've got, it's not like my, not only is my calendar full and not only do I not have control of my time, but I am having to pick which of the three meetings yeah, that are I'm scheduled to go to. Do I attend? Like yeah. constantly in the middle of everything, and just just no control over the day. Like just yeah. I'm going to I'm going to work. I do what my calendar says, and I'm driving home. And your spouse calls you and says, "How was your day?" And you're like, "It was. I guess it was okay." Yeah, I was in a bunch of today? meetings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's no there's a loss. What kind of an impact does that have on the company then, when the executives in that moment?
0: They're, they're too into the middle of everything. And I think we see a lot of executives not being able to do their job, but I think a lot of executives don't exactly know what their job is. They don't know. They don't know where they should be. They should, they be in the middle of all these meetings and doing all this stuff because they're capable. They can do it. They understand it. People are inviting them to these meetings. So obviously they want them there, but is that truly where an executive should live and is that truly what they should be doing
1: so that's a great question diana is like what is the job of an executive so maybe what maybe the best way to approach this because we think of the job of the executive and when we talk to executives about this they're like well to lead stuff, like I oversee all of this stuff, but maybe it's better to think about the evolution of an executive. And let's think about it like within a large company. Let's imagine a fictitious company so we can really see the evolution happening. So mm-hmm. I get there's some small businesses out there like ours, right? Sure. We're just suddenly, like poof, I made myself an executive one day, right?
0: That happened. Yeah. That,
1: that, <laughs> that, that really,
0: literally happened.
1: Give myself a <laughs> title and all the things. I always laugh because somebody introduced me as a CEO recently. I said, He's the CEO. And everybody's like, wow. And I'm like, don't yeah. get so excited i gave myself that title (laughs) i always say like
0: i'm a col but guys there's only five of us so like one of us had to be it
1: (laughs) (laughs) we just voted it was a straw you got the short straw or the long straw whichever right whatever yeah I don't know which way it goes. So it's in big companies, you know, you think about people who maybe fictitiously move up all the way through the company. You start at the very front, the, the bottom level of the company, you work yourself up to a supervisor and then maybe to a manager and then maybe to like a director level and then up yeah. to an executive level. That's kind of a good illustration for thought that even fits for small businesses of the evolution, right? Yeah. So maybe let's talk about like, what's the difference between, what happens between an employee and a supervisor? Like what's the difference between a job of a supervisor to the job of an employee? What does that look like?
0: That's a great question. Yeah. And I think that that transition is really hard because I think you're with all of your peers. You are still doing a lot of the work. You're still a working supervisor, but nobody ever tells you what that means. Does that mean you just like Watch other people because that's what the word indicates. Supervisor
1: is true. Right.
0: I supervise you, but but that's not the reality of it. A supervisor, you're still doing the work, but you just have like an extra level of responsibility.
1: Yeah. I like that with the many supervisors we talk to, and managers in many companies will say, like with pride, I'm a working manager, I'm a working supervisor. So I still do the job. Yeah. Right that I used to do. You know, and one of the problems we see in that position, like you said, it's a super hard transition because you were in, you used to hang out with the people that you work with. Many people have this experience. Yeah. And then someday your boss comes and promotes you, by the way, with no additional training. Just, I mean,
0: it literally just gives you the title and hopefully a little more money, but there you go. You're
1: You're now now the supervisor supervisor. of this department and now you go back to work. I mean, we just talked to somebody this week who is going to be in that position and he's really excited about it. And we kind of warned him. We're like, this isn't going to be as fun as you think it's going to be.
0: I, I will share right now. My brother is in the same situation. Like they just moved him up to two levels. They moved him two levels up the org chart, but he's going to work Monday. And he's like, I still work with all the same people and do the same job. I don't really know what's changed.
1: Yeah. I don't really know what changed. It's still me. I still yeah. think the same. You haven't yeah. given me with any new knowledge or anything that I had. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, when we see that a lot of times supervisors will make one of two mistakes, right? They'll either say, okay, I need to take control of this department and they get in and they micromanage, right? I really want it this way and I'm going to have this vision and they kind of run out ahead of their team a little bit. Yeah. And maybe the team looks back and you know they the team's like I I don't know what happened to you. You used to be one of us, and now you've become this other person. Now you're right? a jerk. Or they become like really laissez faire. Like, I'm still one of you guys, I'm still cool. And then they don't they struggle with the accountability part. Yeah. Like, yeah, how do I show up? So like I'm supervised. I like that you pointed out like supervised. I don't think I've ever really thought of that. Like vice meaning obviously vision, right? Supervision yeah. oversight is what oversight, supervision. Yeah. Supervision entomology of isn't that what that's called entomology Entomology,
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think words are very important and I constantly am thinking about them and the word supervisor yeah I've
1: never thought about that I just never thought about a supervisor
0: yeah overseeing oversee Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so you're watching the process So most supervisor roles, though, they are very overseeing. It's like making sure that the process, the thing is getting done. You know, the end result is okay. So if you're a supervisor at a restaurant, you're making sure the customers are getting fed and people are showing up to work. If you're a supervisor in a manufacturing, you're making sure people are showing up to work, doing the job, the quality is good, right? It's you are very much leveled into the process and the stuff and the day to day. And a lot of times you're still working, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, most of the time
1: most of the time you're still working yeah mm-hmm. you're still doing something so then you get promoted let's say inside this fictitious big company that we have now you're into a manager role so now maybe you have other supervisors that work for you and
0: mm-hmm. then they
1: are overseeing people so now you're less into the day to day but what's the what's the transition there look like
0: usually it's cuz you are a good supervisor right you're a great supervisor we can make you a manager yeah, yeah. but what but what what is, what do you, do? what are you managing? (laughs) What are you managing? I don't think most people know. And I don't think most people are told when they get the promotion, like, oh, here you go. Now you're a manager. They might say like, you oversee these people or this process, but like, what, again, what is that? What exactly are you supposed to be doing?
1: So a lot of managers that we see make these mistakes is they'll start to say, okay, well, I'll just, I'm going to just go out and like, listen and check in with people. And I'm just going to start collecting complaints or collecting issues that I see. Uh-huh. And they start collecting a list of stuff. You need this. You need this. I'm going to go get this for you. I'm going to go solve this problem. Like you're kind of outside the process. Mm-hmm. So you're like, since I'm not stuck in the day to day, I can help you with all this other stuff. Yeah. And some of you are listening to this going like, well, that's not a bad thing, is it? Well, it's not a bad thing as long as that's not your total job. Yeah. Yeah. We see managers. I was talking to a manager a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me she's like, my list is unbelievable. Like, the list of things that I'm supposed to be doing, the list of things, and it's just it's just stuff. And her people are just throwing things at her, so she's just in a response mode. Like her people are totally, she's not managing them; they're managing her. Yep. I need this. 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 And she's just trying to work on this list, and she is so passionate about working on this list and trying to work through it. And she's pretty good, so she's cranking stuff sure. out. But at the same time, then we talk to her employees, and her employees like she doesn't listen to us because they're asking for so many things. Yep. And she can't follow up on all of them, and they can't. They're, so and they've some completely of the things they're asking,
0: forgotten about some of the things they asked for. They've completely forgotten
1: about that. That right. that
0: happens. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we think of like managers. So if the supervisor is watching the process, like those managers starting to get into this really interesting area where they're not in the day-to-day on the process so they've taken a step back from it so you can but you can still think about like are we accomplishing the big picture goals for that but also the manager starting to think of how does that influence other people I think the manager is the first position that really starts to look around at other areas right the managers are the ones that start to break down maybe silos within the organization what are your thoughts on that in terms of how managers work
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think when you become a manager, you have this other like group of managers who also aren't doing the work. And so it's kind of like, well, how do we make everything easier? How do we make things more efficient? How do we ensure that the right people are doing the right things in the right departments and we're overlapping in the right places? And I think that's where managers start to get a grip of what they really should be doing and how they should be doing it.
1: Yeah. If you go to a supervisor and you say, who is your team? Supervisors will often, say, my team, if you're your new team, point to their advisors and say, those are, that's my team. But at some point we talk about this concept of first team and it's the, your, your first team really as a manager are the other managers that you work across with.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's a paradigm shift for a lot of you. And you're like, no, 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 no. My team are my people. But that's that's what causes siloing in organizations. As a manager, you have to start to drift outside your department a little bit. You have yep. to think a little bit big picture. You have to think strategically and everything. Yep. Now, what's interesting about that is, are you starting to think financial stuff too? Like, or is that are you starting to think big picture like that, Diana?
0: I mean, I would hope so, but I don't think that's necessarily the spot that does that the most. I think you start to because you'll maybe you oversee a small budget or you have. ability to hire and fire and you understand you know where those line items are in your in your financials but and maybe maybe you get to see some of the pnls and and be in a a few of those meetings but i don't know that managers really dig into it and start to grasp it until that next level that director
1: level that director level which we'll talk about here i'll point out though right typically again the supervisor never got management training Exactly. If they didn't get management manager. training. Yeah, they probably didn't as when they went to manager either. In yeah, most probably people. not. They also probably didn't get training on how to read financials. No, and most people no don't more. understand that.
0: Unless you're a finance major or an accounting major, you didn't get training on how to read financials.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, we see that I was with a group of, uh, of, all executives, all directors and executives. And we were talking about financials. And I asked the question, I'm like, how many of you feel pretty comfortable with the financials? And it always is the same thing. They're always like, like, yeah, yeah. of course, I get it. Like we want to make money, right? That's good.
0: (laughs) Sure. It sure is. Yeah.
1: And then I said, how many of you feel very confident in telling me the difference between revenue and profit? And they were like, well, I think it's (laughs) like, and that was the response. Like, and that is a super basic financial question, right? So I'm kind of giving you as managers and supervisors and directors and even executives and even business owners, by the way. Yeah. Financial literacy is at a very low level. It's okay not to understand it, but that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to continue to not understand it. Good point. You have to ask the question. So, so Diana set us up. Now you talked about this director role. What's the transformation now looking like? Like we're we're evolving from a manager to a director. What are we thinking about?
0: So I think when you move to that director role then you have to start thinking about the bigger picture, the organization as a whole and how everything flows through that organization. You're doing some of that at the manager level, but this director level now you have multiple managers who span multiple departments. How do you make sure that you are aligning everything from top to bottom? Like that that alignment piece I think starts with the director level. And it's really hard to filter down from there, but it start it's that's where you start thinking about it. Like, how do I make sure that everyone is on the same page? We're all working towards the same goal. We're meeting these goals. How do I make sure that we're doing all of that?
1: Yeah, so we're starting to think more strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to use this language sometimes, like as supervisors are looking in, directors and executives are starting to look out, Yeah. right? Yeah. I'm looking inside the company to see what we're doing. I'm really focused on the day-to-day. Are we making the things, that kind of stuff? The director on the outside is starting to ask, should we make the things?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, Is it even this is the direction we want to go? What are some of the new things we should start thinking about making? Yeah. Right. We yeah. talked to, we've worked with uh, different, like, especially like support departments for areas or there's, there's departments that support like HR, IT, yeah. groups like that. Um, and a lot of times we think about like, you can see those different levels because like an HR for a smaller company is very responsive. They're just, okay, we got to renew this. I need to get this. I need to collect this, da, 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 da. HR for a big company, they start, when you think about like they have directors, they're starting to think, what packages do we need to put in place to attract employees three years from now? Yep. That's, that's the difference. What's, well, am I collecting your forms so that I can update your insurance information? Very super, that's supervisor sure. thinking. Sure. Not, it's not that it's not important.
0: No, you have to do it. You so have so to do have that. to
1: do that versus what should we add some, should we install a flexible schedule policy?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. our organization
0: or what leadership development do my people need now and in a year from now and in the next year.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 Now, now we see a lot of directors will make the mistake of still acting like supervisors. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Or, or even managers or even, you know, like, I think those directors, they're coming from the same, you know, same places they're being promoted from a level. And I think there's still a lot of directors that want to get in the weeds, want to micromanage, have done the job in the past. It might've been years in the past, by the way, but still believe that they have done this job in the past and they understand how it works really well and that they were very good at it and they can continue to be good at it. They just got to like, get in the weeds and micromanage
1: yeah yeah and if the director does if the director gets into the weeds and micromanages and doesn't do the bigger picture stuff what happens to those departments that that ha- that occurs
0: Guys it all falls apart people get unhappy there's no strategy there's no fixing the bigger picture problems there's no innovation there's no change there's no way to make change even if you see that there should be change it's a mess
1: yeah. So a lot of times we'll say like if a department's growing, so like we've we've worked with lots of businesses that are growing and they're adding people, you know, and as you add people, sometimes the thing that used to work doesn't work anymore. You know, it works really well in a department. If you have a supervisor and you have six or seven employees in that department and they're all creating this thing, well, maybe with just because of volume, that department becomes 20 people. And so now you have a supervisor overseeing 20 people. How does a supervisor manage 20 people? They don't
0: yeah, yeah, like
1: it's it's not it's too many people to be able to oversee and manage. And some of you are going, we have a hundred people in our department, and yeah, I'm talking to you. That's crazy. Don't do that. It's too many. It's too many. So the problem is the supervisor can't fix that. The no. supervisor is not at the level where they say, there needs to be more of me. Here's what the next step should be. It's the, it's the, and the managers can kind of maybe adjust that a little bit or start to flag that, but it's really like that director level that starts to say, like, this is structured badly. Mm -hmm. Like we need to think differently about how this works. Like, this is just, we need to re-put this over here. And sometimes even reorg of maybe this department's role is not the same, or we need to shift how this works or whatever. Like, like the, the director's the one that has the pieces on the board and can actually move stuff around and say, I need to change this or even change the board that you're playing on.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then, okay. So then the director one day. One day. Goes into the cocoon. Right.
0: And and sleeps.
1: Sleeps for weeks. Weeks at a time and disappears and then emerges, you know, in the power suit. I was going
0: to say in a tie. Emerges (laughs) in a tie.
1: (laughs) And it's wearing a tie. Driving Uh, a Beamer.
0: Driving a Beamer.
1: And sitting in the sitting in the conference room in the leather seats now. And now yeah, you oh
0: the are. nice leather seats, not the fake leather.
1: No, no, no. The real leather seats. The so real
0: leather seats.
1: You're the executive now and you've made yeah. it and you've you done it.
0: Have become one of us.
1: Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Welcome to the club. It's great. Oh no. So let's talk a little bit about like what's that job now? Like, what does that wow. job look like?
0: Yeah. I think I think it's definitely difficult. I think it is lonely at the top, like you were saying, but I think the executive is the one who's thinking about what is coming next and how do I prepare my people for that? It's not what's happening right now. They're thinking about what's next.
1: I love that. You know, it's, 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 it's strategic thinking. It's trying to anticipate things that might happen. It's, it's, it's stepping out of the noise on the day to day, finding ways to do that you know, and I also think that it's thinking about what's next, but it's also really thinking about like, how do I, what do the people around me see? Yeah. So it's questions like, I see this happening in the organization, but it's not then figuring it out. Cause I know I've made that mistake multiple times where I'll Mm -hmm. think about something and I'm like, okay, well this might be happening. So here's the potential solution for this. And you run with this.
0: I still do that.
1: I mean, I I think it's really common. I mean, yeah. we were talking, I was talking with, uh, we were, we were at a client and I was working with Bethany and Bethany had to, Beth, Bethany and Mary both traveled a lot this week. And so did Matt. So by the way, kudos to that our team, team,
0: man. Yeah. They,
1: they were killing this week, um, yeah. lots and lots of time in front of clients and out on the roads and away from families and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, we don't always have to do that, but really appreciative when our team is willing to, um but bethany was really busy with a client had a lot going on another client of ours emailed and had some questions and i was on the email and i ran with it i ran with the emails and i set up a I'm like here's what we're going to do and we're going to set up a schedule and everything and then bethany kind of behind the scenes in a very nice way kind of said like that wasn't the direction i was going to take them at all
0: yeah and we've and already now- been
1: talking yeah. and this is the right direction and
0: and now i'm stuck doing what you said and it's annoying
1: yeah. Now I have to change direction. And yeah. yeah and yeah. Which, and you don't other, have to not... do
0: the work. I have to like Bethany has to do the work. You don't have to do that work.
1: Yeah. I just committed her to doing a bunch of extra stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something.
1: And yeah. Then, there, then there's confusion. So the client's like, well, wait, I thought
0: we I were, thought were, gonna we were going to go
1: this direction. And I thought we were going to do this. And now you just told me this, this, and this, and that doesn't yeah. match with what I was talking about. Right. Yeah. I, you know, in my heart, I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna say Bethany's gonna to be totally. tired. I'm just I can answer this. I know where she's going with this, and totally. all this kind of stuff. And so we step in sometimes and we do those jobs. And I'm not saying that as an executive, you shouldn't pick up a broom every once in a while.
0: Oh, you definitely should.
1: I think you definitely should. That that humbleness, yeah. that vulnerability, I think is really, really important. But there's times where you say, I see this. What do you all think? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times executives are facilitators. Yeah. It's like, let me go to my team and say. I see this problem. I see this challenge. I see this direction. I see this vision. But tell me how, what What do you see, think about that?
0: Well, and a lot of times I think I do this thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what we need. I know what we need. I can build it. I can do it. I want this thing, right? And I could easily go run with it and go do it. But then if I bring it back and I'm like, look what I created and no one cares. It's because I didn't wait for them to ask for it or I didn't engage them to like want to do the thing as much as I want to do the thing and so a lot of times I'll create all this cool stuff and then it just sits there it just sits there and it's not used and I'm like oh but I have all of these good ideas and I know this would help you but if you're not asking for it and you don't really want it I shouldn't have gone and done it I should not have just ran and done something
1: I don't know how many times, you know, Diana, in our history, like we have so much stuff that's created that's like, oh, this is great, but nobody uses it because we just ran with it and didn't give it like, let's get the team included in this. Yep. Um, And some of you may be thinking like hashtag small business like I don't have directors like I am the executive, the director, the manager and the supervisor in my (laughs) business. So, I have to fill all of those roles. So, what does that mean? And I think the point of this means is that if you have to fill all those roles, you can't get so stuck in the supervisor role to forget the executive role. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. Which we've done before. Which I think, you know, all small businesses do that because you can't, it's hard to dive in the middle and find out what will with this customer complaint, what's going on with this employee issue that's popped up and to follow that and then to take a step back and say, what's the market conditions look like and should we merge and should we change stuff and should we, you know, whatever those big yeah. challenges are that you're dealing with.
0: So with the last few minutes, can we talk about like what happens if you're an employee or a supervisor or a manager and your one up is just not doing what you think they should be doing?
1: I think that's a great question. So kind of another way of asking that is like, how do you lead your executive? Right. Or how do you, lead, how your you
0: boss? lead your boss? Yeah. What do yeah. you do with that?
1: Can I tell the story that'll be like to not to do this?
0: I think you should tell the story. I know this, the story. It's an good
1: embarrassing one. story.
0: <laughs> but you always tell it and you always say like, please don't do this. This was young, unexperienced, learn from my mistakes. So yes, do tell the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 20 year old Don, you know, 20 something year old Don used to run through walls, because I could see things but I was an engineer at 3 m and doing okay I'm fine I'm like I'm, I'm moving up on the ladder or whatever I was an advanced engineer about to become a senior engineer, you know, in my 20s so doing great and everything but I was really frustrated with some things I saw in the company. And so I would talk to my boss about it and didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Like I felt like, okay, we're not really moving the bar on stuff. Like he's not listening. And by the way, if you're in your twenties and you're listening to this, something that's different between if you're in your forties or fifties, and if you're in your twenties is time. When you're in your twenties and you bring an idea to your boss, you're probably thinking hours, days, weeks (laughs) for that to be implemented, Uh right? When you're in your fifties, what you learn is that hours, days, and weeks are more like Months, years, <laughs>
0: yeah, and longer to yeah. implement
1: you your time frame tends to kind of expand a little bit on things. You're like, yeah, we can work on that next year. If you're 25 <laughs> and you hear that, you're like, that means next we're never gonna year, work on what we never gonna work on that. If yeah. you're 50 and you hear that, you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. we're gonna we're jumping on that pretty soon. I'll need to start thinking about that. Uh, so so just throwing that out there but I was I was the timeline wasn't fast enough I was frustrated so what did I do is one out one morning as I jumped in and I sat down and I wrote an email to our CEO who was levels like eight things all the way to this and I wrote an email to the CEO and I said I am company I am buried in bureaucracy and I think I can help this company and laid all of this stuff out for the CEO, and sent the sent the email directly to the CEO. They bypassed seven people. The CEO
0: these. of a Fortune 500 global organization.
1: Yep, w- it's not w-
0: like Bethany w- sending an email to you here. This is like, this is like, big stuff.
1: I mean, you imagine, I don't know. I don't, I can't, you know, I don't imagine what it's like to run a, you know, 60,000 person mm-hmm. company organization, international, very, very well known, all of those types I of can't things. imagine. Well, he replied.
0: I would, I would hope that I would apply. I think I would be like snarky and mad enough and just like, could not believe the gall. And I would have replied as well. I don't know though. I don't know. All right, you
1: know, so it's like you wanted to stay, like we talked about staying humble, right? So, like true. if an employee in a company sends you an email and they're complaining about stuff, like you want to be able to respond. But remember the job we just talked about, like you also, like your team, like you're working with your directors. And so in this, I mean, our vice presidents or directors or managers or supervisors, like you have all of these people. That you're trying to work with in the middle and you do not want to be the one that goes down eight levels in and says well you're right congratulations (laughs) let's create all of this stuff so he did a couple things there's one thing that he did was he said well i thank you for jumping thank you for jumping out and raising your hand uh he (laughs) says mean that well he said he said (laughs) that's what what he said okay Um, he said i would like to i would like to offer to set you up with an executive mentor uh, on our executive team. So he connected me with the uh, vice president in charge of all of engineering. And he said, And then if you want to fly out to St. Paul to meet with him the first time, like we'll cover the expense on that trip.
0: Man, so what a I good came,
1: response. I got off of that and I thought, wow, this is great. This is fantastic. The other thing that he did that I didn't learn until later that became readily apparent was that he copied your boss, he took my email and he forwarded it to all seven people up and down the org chart.
0: Yeah, mhm, mhm.
1: Up and down yeah. the org chart. Yeah. And I became that guy <laughs> that wrote that email.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I bet everyone read it and was just like facepalm like what did you just do?
1: to me think my boss's boss was talking to my boss going what how how did why did he just do that and why did he come to you with all of this stuff and my boss is probably saying like he's brought some ideas forward but I had no idea he was going to do that like he didn't even try to go to you to bring that like we could have met and talked about that and then because then my boss's boss's boss is asking who's this kid that's pushing (laughs) on this and what are you doing and managing that I mean it Created all these waves up and down the organization that created a lot of problems. It made me less powerful, less influential in the organization. I mean, it caused a lot of problems from that standpoint. that, so don't do it that way. So let me tell you another story about a time at the same company where I did it much better is I saw an opportunity and went to my boss and I said, I see this opportunity. What do you think? What do you think better? Is this a pain point for you as well? And is there something that I could do to help with this? I love that approach. You're engaging your boss the same way your boss should engage you. It's like, I'm just going to present and reflect this issue that's out there. And can I help you with it? And then the hard part is if your boss says no, you got to just totally back off. Like, okay, no problem.
0: No is an answer. People don't like hearing it, but it is an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Well, in that case, my boss said, you know what, I've heard this from other people. And I heard somebody else was talking about this. Let me go talk to this person and see if there's there might be something going on. And so they went to another, uh, went to another uh, director, like in the company who was working on a project similar to the thing I was talking about, and ended up getting on that project. And I got to work on this global project that made a big impact on the organization. I got an award for it. I got a promotion for it. I mean, so it It turned out to make a really good positive impact just by me kind of floating stuff out like, hey, I see this problem. Do you see it? Can I help you with it? It's
0: It's the same way. It's the same way executives should do it, too. And managers and supervisors like, hey, I think we have an issue. Can we work on it together? Do you think it's an issue, too?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that's our discussion on executive leadership. I hope that was helpful for everybody. Uh, you can check out our website and get on board. And I know our outro tells all the things about how to get in touch with us.
0: It does. Yeah. Thanks for listening guys. We'll see you next week.
1: We'll see you next week. Thanks everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the people centered podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.